Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seed Partners. <laughs> That's a nice role reversal. Yes, it was. And it totally <laughs> threw you guard. completely. Yes. You even looked like a little red faced there. Yeah, I was like, what, what are you doing? That's my line. <laughs> yes, well, sometimes I like to say what you're supposed to say. So, yes, yeah. I remember Tuna very well. Yeah, that was actually a really great part of that entire show of being like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. That is actually. I just said your line. We, we'll, we'll go back. And you were like, yes. no, I'm good. Like, yeah. you said it. It's fine. There's a lot of lines in I'm that show. I was like, no, 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 no. Anything we'll go back. I can do for less. We'll go it's back. Fine. It's fine. We're, we're good. How was your week? Oh, man. It has been crazy. Sorry, I, I phrased that like I was talking to the, to the kids. I've spent so much time around children <laughs> for the past month that I am apparently insane. So. Mr. How Cody, it has been such a busy week. Oh my gosh. Like was... the temperatures are really high, so like we're crazy busy at work, so. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like today today felt I, there's a lot of things that I could say that today felt like, but I don't know if I want it immortalized in a recording, but it just felt terrible outside. It was so hot for the past yes. like couple of, It was so hot and also, you know, we we had um, so Peter Pan Jr. the the kids uh, summer program at the Fox has closed and it was a, a big success and it was great and I'm really proud of it and happy and, and all you that. should be it was great it was a lot of fun um, and I'm just I'm s- super proud of all the kids and they always they always surprise you um, anyway we haven't been in that building for a long time and we haven't like treated it like a true theater in a long time because of the virus. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of felt the effects of that, like the building was talking to us <laughs> over this this weekend. I'm very old. I'm very old, and I have not stretched my legs in a while because it's also a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did kind of lose its sea legs a little bit there. Um, so it just felt like, I mean, every thing was breaking everything and i don't know what i don't know what it was you know it's just kind of the joys of working in an old space anyway yeah um or even in theater anyway but i mean like the the spotlight that's up in the spot booth i don't even know if i told you this but i went up there to show the girl who was doing some spotlight stuff i was walking her through it it was our first night of tech rehearsal which was already a little bit stressful because there were so many there's, there was so much um, technical... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> there were so many technical elements in this show that yeah. are not like something that I usually use a whole bunch of. I don't really like to rely on the tech as much, but there was just stuff in this that had to happen um, that is a part of the storyline. So I was walking her through some stuff that happens with the spotlight. She was also Tinkerbell for us. She was running the Tinkerbell light and... And as I was doing that, I said to her, hey, there's this knob. And it's been so long since we I had been up there because of the virus that I forgot. And I was like, there is one thing on this spotlight that you're not supposed to touch because it like that you shouldn't touch because it gets really like it jams really easy and it closes the iris. And right as I was saying that, I shut the I, the shutter and it would not open. And I was like, I this is the thing. This is it. I ended up having at tech rehearsal like taking apart Here's this a hands-on demonstration 30 of what not to do. Year, yeah. Basically. I was like, "Hey, don't do this." And then she looked at me and she's like, "I think you found it." I was like, "Thank you very much. Yes, I did." It's like, "What are you going to do?" It's like, Ugh. 
So I took, I ended up taking apart this spotlight, which is like 25, 30 years old spotlight. Yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, because I was using a Phillips head screwdriver. That's like how old this thing was. It was put together with Phillips head screws. And I was taking this thing apart and trying to get it all back. But it was just like a craziness. And that that just seemed to like start it. It's like this is the the starting of the breaking cycle. And then after that, just things started breaking. I mean, I did. I will say I took it apart. And there was a moment where the light, the power source on the light, I heard it power down. <laughs> and it was right whenever I, I, I was getting a little frustrated, I will admit. And I was trying to get the lid of the spotlight to come off of the barrel. And I like tugged on it and it went up and then it went. <laughs> I was like, oh. And I looked over at the girl running spot and she just kind of looked back at me. And I was like, just, just don't say anything. <laughs> like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I anyway, I, I like opened up the shutter. I don't know what the actual f- term for this is. Like it is a shutter, but it's the one that closes in on itself like a spiral. Yeah. Um and I I don't know what it it closes the I guess maybe that's the iris. I I don't know. It's to make it more focused or smaller and tighter and Yeah, it can make it doing. small or it can make it completely disappear yeah. instead of it being like a a barn door. Yeah. Um but anyway, so the metal inside of that had completely bent and it was just like not happening. So I eventually got it back open, but then the spotlight wouldn't turn on because whatever I had done had (laughs) jiggled something (laughs) loose somewhere. So I was like, Ooh, so I went to close it back and I shut it really hard. And then I just, I said some nice things to it. And then I looked over to the girl that was up there. was like, you need to say something nice to the spotlight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you need to compliment it. And she complimented it, and then it went, and it powered back on. I was like, now never touch this again. <laughs> but I completely removed the 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 like lever yeah. that controls it, so hopefully that will never happen again. But, I mean, that just kind of started the whole thing. Of yeah. Like, okay, we're going to have... You, the, we didn't have any plumbing issues. That was one thing we didn't have, so that's nice. Except for the hot water heater. I was about to say your your water heater. <laughs> that was the, the only that was the only thing. But you know everything was everything flushed. Yeah. So that's nice. That's that's normally guess, yeah. The technically problem. that's well that is I guess speaking specifically that is a plumbing issue. But yeah. But it that it does Not something to do with just the pipes like, backing up. You know because we had that ice storm in Louisiana and then the stuff and, and it was just it wreaked havoc in in the theater in more ways than initially that I had thought whenever we I had like gone through and I said, you know, we didn't have as much damage as I thought. Yeah. Well I was totally wrong. <laughs> because <laughs> what do ball. I know? Yeah, yeah. I I dropped the ball on that one. There was a lot more damage than I knew. But of course of course there was. This isn't what I do. Um when we actually got in the theater and started looking around, I was like, oh my gosh, I did not realize so with all of that, it just seems like this has been the year of water pouring through the ceiling yes. of this building. But um, I will say that no matter what, after all the things that really broke during the show or or uh, after the show, whenever we were on our way out, luckily nothing happened while the audience was there. <laughs> it was just awesome. all problems that <laughs> yeah. were dealt with after everyone left. Um, and nothing 
on stage or that was used in the production failed. Good. So like everything was, all of that was good because in this particular production is stressful because I uh, essentially built a fly rig. Yeah. For for someone, uh, for for Peter. Peter, yeah. And that was, you know, I mean, I have flown before. I've done this. I've worked with the, I've worked with um with ZFX a whole bunch of of like I've set up their fly rig and all all of those things and the concept of it is pretty simple. I mean, it's it makes sense. But while I was doing this, I did do a bit of research and seeing what other people have done. And it is yeah. When you don't have the ten grand for the uh, yeah, <laughs> to put up you, their fly system because it is a lot. I mean, that is a lot of money, um, especially for a junior show. Like, can you imagine? Just I, I, there's no way that I could approach the board at the theater and be like, "All right, I'm going to spend more money on a trick than the entire production will be able to make." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like. This is our profit and loss. Welcome to just the loss. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So, but I, I feel like what we did was very successful. And it, yes, it, I, I've said that a couple of times, but I didn't want to be specific about what you had done. But you had hung these ropes for the other kids that are flying to basically stand and swing on, and then you had Peter yeah, on the your darling, fly system. the darling kids. So like Michael, John, and Wendy, yeah, all had like next to their beds. I had draped them over, and it was nice because they really disappeared, mm -hmm. which I was happy because I almost spent like 10 extra dollars on this rope um, because they had an option that was kind of like black and purple and sparkly. Yeah. <laughs> I was real close to being like, oh, that looks kind of like it's covered in fairy dust or whatever. Like, that would be kind of cool, but I was glad that I went with the the, the like yeah, the solid black. dark black option. It disappeared, but... For me, what I find, you know, so interesting is that unlike, you know, in a typical production of Peter Pan that would have been using ZFX's, you know, fly rail system. Or fly there, by foy. Or, yeah, is that, you know, the kids basically are just flying left to right mm -hmm. on, a, on a flat plane while, you know, Peter gets to have all the fun. But in this, right. everyone is moving in different directions and Peter is flying higher and bigger than them. So it was so much more interesting to have different movements and it mm -hmm. felt more full than just say... Yeah, we basically on a plane. used the we basically used the concept that they they use with the professional fly companies when they come in and do the rigging for you, where we did a pendulum like a, a one point yes fly. So uh, Peter was do was on that, but the kids were just swinging around anywhere that they wanted essentially, um, as except for Wendy who was real close to the doghouse, so she had to be a little bit more <laughs> yeah. careful with where she was swinging. Um, but I mean, it, I feel like it worked really well because we were able to do um, an up and down stage swing with Peter and we were able to do side to side. And I don't think that people were really expecting no. for her to fly as big as she flew. Which you got really close. I saw. I mean, she was, she was flying high. Um, but I, I, it, I was really I was really proud of it. I actually just watched because I never got to see it because mm -hmm. um, I was backstage running it. I just watched the the like a recording of it and was like yeah it looks pretty good yeah it looked rad it's like i'm, I'm a little impressed i was i've kind of patted myself on the back for actually figuring that out but in researching and figuring out what the best way to do this was i saw some really horrific things and that kind of maybe spurred a little bit of what i wanted to talk about today which was just 
overall safety in theater. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, um, you know, that was a big thing whenever I was in school that people talked about a whole lot. And coming from just doing community theater before going to, um, to Oklahoma for school, um, where they ran their shows just like you would experience, like the school shows were ran just like they would be run at an equity house. So yeah. you were pretty much already prepared for that when you left. And um, I, I, they harped so much about safety and everybody being comfortable. And, you know, they always talked about it, but coming from a community theater setting, I was like, I mean, I just can't believe, like, you, this is really solid set. <laughs> yeah. Like, this set is not moving. Like, there's no screws poking out. Like, what is the deal? Like, I remember one point in time I was working in the scene shop, and they were like, okay, we need to go around and make sure that um, on everything that we've built that there's no screws poking out. And if there are, you need to um, to mark it so that we can come back and grind them off. Yeah. And I was like, what? I said, but you're going to – you won't be able to use those screws again. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why would you do that? Just tell them that there's a point. And they were like, no, that's so dangerous. It was like, yeah, yeah, was, that's dangerous. Why would anybody do that? It's crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, just the safety of it. I mean, it's just there's so many things that can go wrong that people can get hurt, like not having glass on stage. Yes. Those those kind of things. I mean, there's small small things that you do. I mean, and you know the glass. Didn't you cut yourself? Yeah, there was a porcelain doll on stage one time that, that like, that someone had broken the head and I didn't know it and then just, like, straight up scraped my whole hand across it and I was oh bleeding gosh. profusely on stage. And there, I mean, and that's one of those things that it should have never happened. There exactly. should have never been a porcelain doll on stage. That's crazy. Yeah, you can use any doll. It, it would have be been fine. A plastic doll. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it just... and. And that's why I think, you know, when I was researching this, I was I was looking into some things that other people had done and doing some rigging for flying and stuff. And everything I saw was horrifying. It was like, no, I'm just I'm coming up with this on my own. I can't I can't do yes. any of these any of these other things. And I just I wonder, you know, and <laughs> I, I I wonder why people feel like they have to go along with something whenever they know it's not safe. I know that early on, people probably don't feel like they have the agency to say anything, mm -hmm. where they're like, I'm happy to be a part of this show. Um, I don't know if this is real safe, but I'm going to go along with it because I they don't like, want to like, be a team player so yeah. bad. But <laughs> absolutely not. No. If I don't feel safe, I'm, I'm saying something. No, I'm not doing that. I mean, I know that whenever, when I was in Mary Poppins and I did the upside down thing, uh, the upside down proscenium walk. I really didn't think they were going to do that. And I remember, you know, that was the, the company that originated the proscenium walk came in and they, they did that and they put me in the harness and I was terrified because I didn't realize that the harness didn't go over my shoulders. And for some reason that freaked me out, <laughs> but I feel like it's obvious that that freaked me out because they're the only thing holding me or two cables is a belt. Yeah. It, no, it wasn't the cables that freaked me out. It was the belt. I was like, so the only thing that I'm attached to is just the tension on my hips? That's the only thing that's keeping me from sliding out of this thing? <laughs> like, that's insane. I'm going to be 30 feet in the air upside down. Yeah. 
I do remember that when you first did that, it was like you went up the wall perfectly fine. Well, it was when I you could, got upside down. I was down. approaching the wall, and I was like, yeah, this is totally fine. I'm approaching the wall. I'm walking. It's because you're going towards something. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't seeing how far away from the ground I was going because I was wa- I was looking at the <laughs> ceiling. Yeah. And I got up there, and they were like, and now you're going to have to kick off the wall and turn upside down. And my entire body was like, nope, <laughs> not doing that. You're crazy. <laughs> I mean, I had to do some serious mental Olympics to to make myself push off of that wall yeah. and flip upside down. I do remember the one time that, because when I pushed off the wall and flipped upside down, I had to stick my toe out and grab onto the little uh, like platform that scooted with me that went the that yeah. run of the, um, that I was supposed to like dance on or whatever. But I didn't catch the platform and I just spun completely around like I did like two flips and scared the mess out of me. I mean, then what a terrible place. I mean, you do not want to mess your britches when you're upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been so bad. Yes. (laughs) But even then knowing that it was a professional, like whatever, and that so many people had done it, I was still like, Oh my God, I don't feel, I don't know how comfortable I feel about this. Yeah. And I still went through with it. And I just can't imagine. And it, one of the things that comforted me was, oh, this. So many people have done this. They clearly know what they're doing. Like I, I'm gonna be okay. But if somebody had just rigged something up, like you know, just Community Joe had just like rigged this thing up, was like, this is what I think's gonna happen. All right, <laughs> I tried this with a paint can and it worked. Don't worry, it was heavy paint can. Yeah, it'd be different. If, you know, it was not the people who had originated the stunt. Yeah. that I mean, But still, it's just like thinking back about some of the things that I have been asked to do on stage where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then it's it's just the like, we'll figure it out. I mean, I know early on, especially in, in mostly all of all of my I mean, I, I'm turning 34 soon, but the majority of my actual injuries and I've been through, I was in like the one of the most should have died horrific car accidents ever. And still, most of my body like pains are from doing physical comedy when I was young and didn't know what I was doing. Oh, yeah. Where I was just throwing myself around and hurting myself, but people were laughing. So it was like, well, whatever, I'll be all right. Because I'm like 20. Well, yeah, it's so crazy because you never think that the things that you're doing at 20 will affect you for the rest of your life. It's like, oh, for the next 70 years, you're going to have a knee injury. Yeah, I'm going to have this knee problem and it's going to, you know, it's always going to be there. And and it, it's so avoidable. I think that's the thing about it for me is that it's all all avoidable as long as you have somebody around with knowledge. Yeah. I mean, that could have trained you how to fall or trained you how to, you know, take the hit. And that's why I think, you know, so many people are like, well, anybody can do theater. Like, well, okay, anyone can try to do theater, sure. But you need to have people that are educated in what they're doing. Like, I'm not going to ask someone to do something unless I'm willing to do it as well. Yeah. Which is why on all that fly stuff, I tested it myself before I put. A six, uh, well, fifty-pound kid on it, <laughs> yes. and I was like, "Well, if it can, if it, it should be fine." I mean, all of it was weighted for like thirteen thousand pounds. Yeah, it was, it was 
I was way over the, the <laughs> if limit. If it can hold me, it can hold her. If it can hold me and everything is fine, then it, it'll be all right. Um, and it was. And I, but I would have never, I would have never put anybody in a position that was not safe, that yeah. I knew for sure was going to be okay. And that's why I, when I think, you know, and, and you see this a whole lot on stage with fight choreography. And it is one of the things, you know, whenever we go to see shows every time, you know, if, if you, Lexi and I are in the audience and there's a fight scene, I just feel like every single time I get so nervous mm-hmm. and tense yeah, because you, you I know pretty hard. I know that no one knew how to train these people because in our area, there's, there's not any fight choreographers. Yeah. <laughs> like in our area, I'm the only person with fight training with the exception. I think, you know, actually, well, Ty Cedars used to have, <laughs> there's his whole name. Ty used to have, um, he was, I think a certified actor combatant for a while because mm-hmm. they have that program at tech, yeah. or at least they used to, no, no. Have a really good fight program at, at yeah, they do. They do a big uh, thing, a t- an intensive like weekend thing that mm-hmm. I've been to a couple of times. That's really freaking awesome. And if anyone lives in this area that has the opportunity to go to it, it is, is awesome. That in the summer, or is that during? It's like, the, like it's like during spring break time. Um, I think it's like right before Easter or something like that. Yeah. Typically, when we went, it was like the spring semester in college when we were able to go. And it was always so. Because it's not just their university that does it; it's open to yes. Anyone, because they right? bring in these people that, well, for example, like when I went, these people that had come out of that program had worked on at that time the Dark Knight mm-hmm. had just like recently come out, and it was so cool because they had like Dark Knight fight crew uh, things, and like other people had been working on like video games, like Saints Row and stuff like that. Yeah, and they were a part of this production company called the Rat Pack or something like that. And they would they were instructors for the full weekend that they were there. And the guy that at the time that was sort of spearheading everything, he was like one of five fight masters mm-hmm. in the world. Um, but yeah, it's it's this awesome program that I you know looking back, I wish I would have gone there. <laughs> yeah, uh, to be able to do like what Ty did. Things. Yeah, I mean it is it because I, you learn a lot. I, I will say like you learn a lot in in those intensives. And stuff that I didn't even know, like um, we'd, me and another guy that were there, we'd accidentally signed up for this advanced class that we didn't know was advanced, but it was like domestic kind of battery type of. Oh, like uh, environmental hand-to-hand. Yeah, where, where it's more intimate. And, mm-hmm. and, and that to me was so interesting. Cause, well, you that know, is actually the scariest type of fight. You know, a lot of people think that it is swords and, you know, that it's, it's all the, the yes. like metal weapons you know like yes. swords and axes and quarter staff those are your most violent weapons but it is always unarmed hand-to-hand fighting that mm-hmm. is the scariest fighting because you have to be in order to sell it you have to be so close yeah and you have to have ran it so many times to feel comfortable in it you know a sword you can get distance and you have a lot more of a reaction time if you need to get out of the way yeah um but a fist coming for your face Oh my gosh, I will never, ever forget um, when we were taking our test in school. Uh, one of the, <laughs> I, and I tell this to the kids every time that we do fight choreography because I, I feel like I have to stress to them how serious it is and how it is something that they should be afraid of in a sense because they need to know that they need to rehearse this a lot and so that they don't just run around trying to punch or slap people. Um, 
So I feel like you always have to start off with a couple of horror stories to make it real. And <laughs> yes. Martha Corkum. Hey, Martha. Martha Corkum was... Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I still, to this day, I call it the Corkum. Like, don't Corkum. Don't do it. Because when she was taking her test, she was doing her unarmed fight. And she, oh my gosh, this was so bad. She was fighting Miranda Wilson. You're welcome, Miranda. Just throwing all these people out there. I don't even know how you're so good with names. Um, so Martha and Miranda were fighting. And they had this moment where she was supposed to um, push Martha. Martha was supposed to come back. And then she punched her in the face. But mm-hmm. they had like squared off to where the back was to us. And it was uh, over the shoulder. Yeah. And she just obliterated Miranda's face. I mean, like punched her hard, like right across mm. the jaw. And they stopped for a second and everybody knew. And like the instructor gave them time. They like kind of recentered themselves and they're like, all right, is everybody kind okay? of Miranda was like a trooper and she's like, I'm good. <laughs> she was not. <laughs> she wasn't. Well, she was not good, but she wanted to finish the test. Yeah. And the second one, Martha was clearly like shook up about it. So she goes and she just uppercuts this girl right in the nose. <laughs> I mean, it's within not, like it's not funny. Within not. like five seconds of doing this, punched her across the jaw, uppercutted her right in the nose. She like grabs, she's immediately crying. You know, she get hit in the nose, it's hard. She's immediately crying. She's not bleeding though. So she's like, we're going to finish this fight. (laughs) This gets so bad. So they like start over. They go through those moves again. They make it to the last like finishing move in the sequence where Miranda is lying on the ground and she's got her back to us. And Martha is supposed to go up and look like she's going to kick her in the face. And the way that, she was supposed to kind of like, kind of like you would a soccer ball, like you're going to cook yeah. a goal. I was just about to demonstrate this. I to see you moving sitting. your legs. I yes. was like, here you go. Um, like people can see, but she was supposed to like, you know, just like you're going to kick a soccer ball. And she was aiming for the nap was taken off of her partner. So the, the woman, the Miranda's hand was sticking out like she was lying on her, on her shoulder and she had her hand up near her face and she was supposed to kick the hand. And she just kicked her right in the face. <laughs> That's like that old. Um, and that was it. That old like college humor video where the guy is the the goalie for the soccer team. Oh yeah, and he keeps getting hit in the head. <laughs> just keeps getting hit in the head over and over again. <laughs> but that's what was happening. And everybody was like, "We have got to." And it was because, like, they Martha just wasn't giving her time. Yeah. To like make they weren't checking in with each other. Mm-hmm. She didn't know like Miranda wasn't ready. She wasn't in the right spot. And then. It just kept spiraling and getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But they wanted to finish it so bad that they just kept going. It resulted in in her going to the hospital. <laughs> yes. Which is why I always tell the story first. I'm like, do not do this. If you have always got to check in with your partner and if they are not in the right spot, then you don't go. Yeah. You just don't. The, the show can be sacrificed for that. Like you can come up with something else, but yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget that. I mean, just some absolute horror stories of fire. Well, fighting. you know, I I watched this uh, corridor crew uh, stuntmen react thing, mm-hmm. and they 
they talk about all the time, all these professional stuntmen are like the worst person to have on set is the actual actor when we're doing, you know, their shots. Yeah. Because they're overamped. He's like, we've run these things a thousand times, but as stuntmen, we know yeah, you, you, when you're out of place, you just know to step back, hey, mm-hmm. let's retake the shot. But they get overamped. And they get into it too much. Yeah. And then like the camera's we on. We used to and- call that girlfriend speed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they will like really want to go after it. And and it's just so crazy to me that that's probably what she was feeling. She was oh yeah, she was super amped. She we I mean there was a lot of stress. We were taking this test. We were doing our actor combatant thing, um, and she really wanted to pass. Yeah, she's a nurse now. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> the, just you, saw that you know actually the other day on Facebook. I was like, oh, she she became a nurse. Nice. <laughs> one of the one of the funny things about me I going if she made that decision after that. Oh, ab- absolutely, yes. <laughs> She's like, actually this isn't for me. I would like to be on the other side of these injuries. <laughs> the the one of the things uh, when we went to that um, class because um, we went back the next year and everybody, you know, they're telling everyone to pair off and it was really awesome to be able to learn that skill oh, and yeah. how to how to like really sell it but make sure It's really invaluable. But one, when we started pairing off with everyone, I actually got one of the best lessons of my life. And everyone paired off. And there was this one guy in a wheelchair that I got stuck with. Mm-hmm. And I say that not not in a negative way. Like, I was paired off with him. And I learned how to hit with force, but not, you know, make the other person move. Right. Because the first time we were supposed to do this push, and I just... You, you just know, went for it. I don't know what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. I just because it was a very advanced class, but I accidentally pushed this dude in his wheelchair, went 20 feet away, and I was, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Like I didn't realize I was so strong. Yeah, um, but uh, learning, but learning that is very interesting. Like to have to, you know, you're dealing already with you. You're always supposed to be working with your targets and making sure that you're on target, which is not them. Them. Yeah, and. In that situation, that's all you're doing. Like you have to, you have to be right. Yes, because you know, I'm sure that that person would not be able necessarily to be able to help you compensate. So yeah. you kind of have to like really know what you're doing there. So that probably was a very good introduction for you. Yes, and and you know, it, it's one of those things that at the time I was like, oh man, you've got to be kidding me! I don't know what I'm doing already. I'm already intimidated, and now mm. I have to work around this other thing that's there right yeah but it was it was so much more communicative with me and him because Mm -hmm. then when it was his turn to you know throw injuries to me meeting him where he was at yeah and then having to sell that too yeah like making yourself available for the punch or whatever you Mm -hmm. know and then but also not looking like you're available for it (laughs) yes so that is i mean fight choreography is one of my absolute favorite things i miss sword fighting so much i just love it i think it Mm -hmm. is such a great it can it can be such an amazing tool for storytelling i mean that's one of the things i love doing in shakespeare whenever we get the chance to fight it's just so much fun because you just you have to bring the intensity up in the storyline like you have to get to a point where fighting is the only option yes because if you don't, then it's like, why is this happening? Like, the stakes have got to be that high. Yes. And that's what we were always taught. It was like, you get to a certain point where you get this close and this intense with somebody, the only options are to kiss them or to punch them. Like, that's where you have to get. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I, I, I do miss doing that. But I will say that I have seen so 
many productions where there was a massive fight that was abs- that scared me so much and I oh, yes. don't know how people survived without yes. injury because in, in in the professional world dealing with and I, I was so fortunate on most of the shows that I worked at if there was any sort of fighting since I had you know this education since I went to school and was a actor combatant and all that I was able to earn a little bit extra money and be a fight captain, which meant that the fight choreographer would come in and I was basically like the, a fight captain's kind of like, you know, like a dance captain would be, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they run the fights every day at fight call and they make sure that everybody is doing what they're supposed to do, that they're keeping the integrity of the fight, that people are still being safe because once you're doing a show for like more than three months and you're, you have a fight scene in there you get to where people go so fast yes, because they're so used to it that they're not even thinking about it. But fast doesn't equal good. I'll tell you that in sword fighting. And most of the time when you go super fast, like I, I did this production of Tom Jones where there was this, there were three sword fights and one of them, there was this dude that just would not slow down. And it was sad because the fight was super cool. Yeah. It was really, really cool. I think I have a video of it somewhere out to show you, but there, the fight was really awesome, but you couldn't tell because he just flew through all of those moments so quickly that it, it and it wasn't, you know, in a small sword fight, that's normally where you go really fast. Yeah. It's like the, the, the French were really famous for small sword fighting. When you learn that, it was that small sword is my absolute favorite. Um, when you learn it, you tape, they, or not everybody, but we taped a, a piece of, um, notebook paper to our chest, and that was the that was all of the targets was each mm. corner of the notebook paper, and you had to stay in that box with all of your moves. Nice, no matter what your moves were. You know, if you were, I I, I know I'm probably geeking out and talking about things that may not be super interesting to hear about instead of see. Um, but it's just very precise and very small, quick movements, and that's what he was doing, but with a rapier blade a bigger sword and it was like this isn't working and no matter what i told that actor i was wrong (laughs) (laughs) i was absolutely wrong until the fight choreographer actually came in and was like why are you letting this dude speed up like this is that he's not listening to me so everything that i do that i'm telling him he's not he's not doing it he's doing what he wants at at this point he thinks it looks cool because it feels good to go fast yeah and so he went and like this isn't star wars apart yeah (laughs) He kind of went and tore this dude apart, and he slowed down, which was nice. But still, like, speed does not equal good. Yeah. And that's what where girlfriend speed came from, because it was always, like, you could tell whenever the person's significant other was there, because they would go <laughs> so crazy hard. Fast, yeah. They would go, they would, like, swing their blades really hard. They would break stuff. They wouldn't be, they would just be all over the place. You'd be like, whoa. Yeah. What are you doing? You got to replace that sword. Well, that's what, you know, like, I know this is something small, but it was when we did Godspell and we, you had, you as Jesus, you know, slap uh, 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 Judas and we have that big kind of moment. And every night that we did it, it was this, <gasps> because we Man, were, I totally forgot about this. Eye contact, communicating. I slapped you? Yeah. Well, you didn't actually, I mean, you know, obviously it was a stage slap, but we did those big, like those five big steps so that we could position ourselves and it was one of those things, I don't even think that we talked about how we would do it. We just kind of knew where to be position-wise and did it. 
dude, I don't remember this at <laughs> all. I slapped you in that show. We did this for a I know. Weeks. We yes. did this for so long. Yes. I do not remember hitting you at all. Yeah. When did that happen? It was I, you know, Judas mouths off at at, at Jesus at some point, and then uh, uh, Jesus like strikes him or something. Oh, wow. You don't it's amazing the things that us timing stick our with you. big freaking steps to one another, positioning so the audience couldn't see. Even our castmates. It was like a it, the it first was time we did it. With, a, <gasps> it was a it was a it was a joke. I'm remembering that there was some type of like a joke or whatever it was. It was like inch by inch, yes. mile by mile. Um, the slowly I turn. Yes, that's yeah. That's it's the part in the script that's kind of based off of a vaudeville sketch. Yes, but I don't remember actually. Doing the slap, but I guess we did. Yeah. I'll trust you. I do not remember it at all. <laughs> I don't remember that happening at all. Not even a little bit. But it, you, that, that, that to me is one but of the things. But I remember Martha Corkum's name. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We're like two people that have had even a modicum, from, from my perspective, of training. Well, I'm sure we, re- we rehearsed this. Well, yeah, but it was kind of one of those things where we just kind of talked and said, okay, we'll go slow. We'll turn. You do the nap. We'll sell yeah, it. This and is that's, when it happens. And it and it was just every night I just remember making that eye contact with you right before. You good? I'm good. Yeah, you Let's have go. to get you have to you have to key in with your person and then see the prep. And then you have to see them see the prep before you go. Before you just go for it. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever you when you teach people, you know, stuff like slaps or punches for the first time, it doesn't matter how many times you say, We are gonna go. Super slow. When the minute that they see it, they're like, okay, good. And then they just, there's going to be three or four of them that just jump in and go as fast as they can. Every time. Yes. It just, and it, that always blows my mind. But, I mean, what, it, it's just a frightening thing to me. Because you have the the possibility of truly hurting someone. And why would you not call in somebody who knows what they are doing so that you can keep people safe. Like oh, why yes. where where did this come in the culture to be like, you know, we're just gonna we're gonna do whatever we can just to get through it. Yeah. Like we're just gonna it'll be fine. Like you guys go over there and just work something out that looks like you're fighting mm-hmm. and then come back. Yeah, you know, even even with taking a fall, like I was a part of a show one time where they were like, Can you fall down these stairs? And I said, Absolutely not. Yeah, I will walk to the three foot ledge and fall from there because I mm. feel like I can safely fall off of that. I don't know what those stairs are going to do every night. Yeah, if my foot twists or if I get hurt or well, that's like a noise is off. He's got to fall down the stairs. Uh, yeah. So how do you? I mean, you have to. You have that's like a rehearsal. Yes, that is a rehearsal in itself. But so many people don't want to give that time. I mean, for for like three to five minutes of fighting. It's like 80 hours of rehearsal. Yes. And that seems like it's an insane amount, but that's a lot of moves in three to five minutes. That's a lot of fighting. Yes. I mean, when we, when I was in a production of Henry Five one time and they, we had a sword fight. Oh my God. It went on forever. It was somewhere between like 15, 20 minutes, this fight scene. It was insane. It, and it was, it ran the gambit. I remember I had, I started off in that. I had a quarter staff that had a spear tip on the end of it, which always freaked me out, and and a shield. And I started that way, moved to sword, had unarmed in this one fight. I mean, it just like kept going. 
I also changed characters in that fight. <laughs> like ran off fighting someone, had to do a change and run back on as a num uh, like a member of the opposing, you know, on the other side of the yeah. war. That was insane. That was crazy. Ran on fighting somebody else. It's just nuts. But um <laughs> but I mean it the amount of rehearsal that we put on into that and then also ran through it every single day. Yes. Just to do it. So like we would do that before the show every day. We would do it and we would still have moments being like, Hey, you're not in the right spot. We need to like all pay attention and focus. You're not in the right spot. You're not doing what you need to do. You missed these three moves and you're like, Oh right, yeah, I did. Because you're not you, your mind's just not there. Yeah. But the with all of that action going on, it's just so possible for people to get hurt. I just I I think that what I'm trying to get at why this has gone on so long while I'm talking about it is that you know, people think that it's just so easy, like anybody can just jump in and become a director. Yeah. Or can just jump in and do some fight choreography or some, you know, some some technical theater when in reality, like, you know, okay, I'll say this. I had somebody come up to me and they said, you know, I would really like to uh, the next show that you direct. It would be awesome if I could shadow you in the directing process so that I can, because I really want to direct the show. And I was like, well, that's that's cool. Um, but, you know, they want to shadow me directing one show and then they want to direct their own show immediately. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand I understand your want to do this, but you're basically saying that all of the school and all of the professional work that I've done or yes. you know like all of this stuff has been can be like consolidated into 4 weeks. Mm -hmm. Like I can't do that for you. Yeah. Not everybody can just direct. Not everybody like and not everybody needs to go to school or do all those things just to learn how to direct. Some people are just, you know, gifted and they know what they're doing, but the, most of the time they learn from experience. I don't know very many people that just walked into a theater and said, I'm going to direct this play. <laughs> I yeah. read a book uh, called Theater for Dummies, and I know the stage directions. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. The Well, for in, for example, like to just follow you for four weeks, it, it really begins so much sooner. Oh, yeah. Like when we sooner. originally first started Mockingbird. A year ago. <laughs> yes. Well, but we were talking about this in November and we had sat oh, yeah. down and you had shown me some some sketches and like, here's how we're going to build the set. Here's how we're going to do this. And really hitting this from the ground level. Like you yeah, have to follow about someone. your concept and the reason for doing it. Yes. So, so, so long before you actually even get to the rehearsal process. I think so many people think that it's just rehearsal. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this is not rehearsal. There is a production meeting that happens way before that. It's like, I want to show up and just basically tell the actors where to go, what to say, how to say it, and move on. I think it's more, I want to show up and I want to have the title. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what it is. I want to have the title and I want, you know, to be known as the person who's the director. And like, I don't want to, it was interesting for me because I was trying to figure out because, of course, there has to be more people who direct in our community. It can't just be me, essentially. Which is why you're pushing me to... Which is why, yes, but you <laughs> have... You take the reins for but me? But you have knowledge. Like, you have the knowledge to be able to do this. Yes. And you have the instinct to do it. It's not just like I, you know, I went 
to school to be a fireman. I don't know what people go to school for. <laughs> I went to school to be, you know, an accountant. Yeah. And I did one community theater show. And now I'm like, you know what? I can do this. I'm you know going though, to direct. I see that all the time in in uh, my field of business in that these guys that will go to a technical school and mm-hmm. then they'll work for a few years uh, for a contractor then think that they can automatically... I'm going to own my own business. Yes. And it's like, you don't know every failure it took mm-hmm. to become as good as that owner was. Yeah. You don't know everything. And it's just like a like an adolescent sort of thing where you're just in sort of the adolescent phase of whatever you're doing and thinking that, well, I've done this for a year or two and I obviously know everything about it. And it's like, no, you know, many times I, I had to fall to get mm-hmm. here. How many bad acting choices I had to make oh, yeah. to be able to do this thing. You know, how many times as a director, you probably had to second guess yourself or had to rethink I or retool think yourself. every director second guesses. Well, that's that's kind of like the struggle of being an artist. Like you never are done with the project or the piece. I mean, I'm still thinking about shows that I directed forever ago that I was like, oh, should have done. I should have done it. I should have done this. Yes. I can't believe I didn't think about that. It's always, always in your brain. Yes. Always. And that's like the artist struggle. But to to just wake up one day and to just think, oh, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Absolutely not. Now, I, I do applaud the the want to yes and i think that's awesome and i don't want to discourage that but it put me in a weird position where i'm like one that's really just not how i work <laughs> yeah and and two like i i don't want to discourage you but there's no way that i'm going to be able like i i feel like if i say yeah you can definitely do this then i'm saying yes you can see someone direct one show and then you will be fine to take the reins and do whatever you like. Why don't you AD me for about five or six shows? I mean, it's just kind of, it's just kind of crazy. Also the thought of the first thing that someone is going to direct is going to be a full production of something is frightening. It's kind of like, why don't you start small? Like, you know, find a 10 minute play that you want to produce and do that somewhere and really learn the struggle of just that before you jump in and you're like, hey, I'm going to... Get three actors together for a 10-minute thing. Yeah. Then come talk to me. Yes, that's what I should <laughs> have said. With a 12-man cast. That's what I should have said. I said, put together a 10-minute show with three actors, and they have to be the same three actors that sign up in the beginning that perform it at the end. <laughs> and you can't be in it. Yep. <laughs> and then we will talk about you shadowing. But it is... it. it Afterwards, when I was thinking about that, it did kind of it did kind of start to bother me. I was like almost offended, and I think it's because I'm I'm so tired of people thinking that just anyone can do this, mm-hmm. and that anyone should do this. I mean, it's just it, that's not the case. It's just yeah. not the case. And but like you said, not to discourage, but learn how to. Yes, actually, go out there. Like I went out and sought the information. Mm-hmm. Because this is what I want to do. And it's just like I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like, you know what? I just I dissected a frog once. <laughs> and <laughs> I thought that was kind of neat. Like the hell those things in there. So I obviously have never done this. Yes. <laughs> All those things in there. So I'm gonna go and ask my friend who's a vet if I can just go watch them perform surgery. 
on a dog, and then I'm gonna also do that. Then later. I'll know what to do for Ernie when he gets yeah, ill. Yeah, and then then basically I'll be able to do that for my own dog, and my neighbor's <laughs> dog. Yes, I just oh, that's insane. It just and I know that other people will think about that and be like, no, that's that's totally different situation. Like, but not really. It's really not. Yeah. It, it's comparative knowledge at that point. It's it basically is. what you're saying. You're That's not saying I'm that saying. like, oh, this is life or death for some creature, but it's comparative yeah, knowledge. It is comparative knowledge. It's also like, you know, you you do some shows. I just I just find it so interesting. It's just that whole thing of, well, I didn't, and I think this happens a lot in community theater. I didn't get the part that I've, I, I, I'm not getting cast in the parts that I want. So I'm going to direct a show. Yeah. It's like, have you ever thought that maybe you're not getting the parts that you want because you didn't prepare well enough? Yeah, and that's we've talked about that. And what before can you do about yeah to elevate yourself? Elevating yourself, and I think so much of that goes to, you know, like one of the things whenever I direct a show, I know that I'm coming at it from the experience of being able to do all of these other things mm-hmm. because I was lucky enough to be in a program in a collegiate program that taught me everything like yes. you know that that you had to go and i mean i was like a class away from a lighting minor i mean i like i had to do um tech technical theater i had to do dance i mean that's the reason why i know how to tap dance it was because of that and even though i absolutely hated the idea of going in there and taking tap class with all these amazing dancers at the Ann Lacey School of Dance. Oh, my gosh. So how you feel is how I always feel when yeah. I have to tap. <laughs> Everyone else knows how to do this. I, why am I doing this? But you do know how to do it. I mean, you can do it. Can can and knowing are two you very can. different things. You just you can learn. Yeah. But it but that's the reason why I can do those things. I had to take these, you know, really intense movement and fight choreography classes directing classes, singing class. Like, I mean, we had to go to voice class. I mean, we had to do every single thing that you would be asked to do in theater, working in the scene shop. I mean, that's why I know how to do all these things that in a community theater setting, when you direct a show, you are called to do. I mean, I'm the costumer. Sometimes I'm the stage manager. I'm the, the set designer. I'm the set builder. I'm the lights. The only thing that I haven't had to do that I'm so blessed with is sound design. And that's because my father-in-law is so good at it. Yeah. I mean, and really, and so is Lexi. But it's just, you have to be able to do all of those things to be able to pull it off in a community where not a lot of people know how to do these things. You yes. have to be the one to be able to teach. It's just a lot. It's a lot. But you're also like, I was listening to a podcast about these these guys. Um, this this one captain had decided that he wanted to be the first person to ever um, captain a ship around Antarctica or whatever. Well, his ship ended up getting uh, stuck and bogged down into the ice. And he ended up having to basically abandon ship and go to um, where he had hoped was Africa to, you know, save his men. And he ended up not losing a single guy. And they were like, how did you know how to do this? How did you know where to go? He goes, I didn't necessarily absolutely know where to go, but it is my job to not let you know that I didn't It's my job to act with certainty. Yes. Yeah. So he was basically... Steering, steering them, and steering that ship, and that—that that is your job as a director to—to, to, you know, it, even if you don't know the answer, have an answer. 
you have to always have an answer. And if the the answer can't be, I don't know. Yeah. And if it is, it's, I will tell you later. Yes. Like, we will talk about this at another time whenever I have a more informed opinion. But you can't. You can't say I don't know. You have to know. There's there's just so many times and like working in a community setting, like I've worked with several different directors, you know, into into learning different perspectives and how different people work and react and stuff like that. And it is just so much of the the and I don't mean this disparagingly, but it is the inexperience mm-hmm. that you're like, "Oh, I'd like to work with my friend who I think would be a good director." And that's not always necessarily the case. And it's like, just because you have the knowledge, you've never put it into practice. Yeah. And I, and I do think, I, this is off the top of my head right now, but do you think that you would ever be willing to offer a directing sort of intensive or a class or something and then maybe putting on like a little 10-minute play get-together? I mean, yeah, I would definitely do that. But I don't, you know, this is kind of the struggle with the acting class at the same way. I mean, we had really, we had great success with the acting class last time. But I have tried and failed many times to do an acting class like that in this area mm-hmm. because people are just like, I don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, it's not, I'm not interested in it. There's, it's more like, I like doing the shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it, well, the I, stakes are higher in a show, you know, people get I to come see it. A lot of the times people, people I think that when they take a class, no, I understand. When, um, when people take a class, they immediately feel like that it means that they don't know. It's like them admitting that they don't know what they're doing. But it's all right to be ignorant. It's not okay to remain the ignorant. The whole point of a class is to become better. Like that's why you want to do it. So of course, I would want to like actually be able to sit down with some people. And really, what what would be amazing is if the arts council in our area would bring in someone who is a professional director or mm-hmm. a teacher or, you know, somebody to work with the community here and actually hold a directing intensive over the course of a weekend. That would be really cool. Like if, if there were like, like say if eventually, I don't know, but you know, long-term thinking, like if play on, if we're having, Hey, we're going to do like these six shows this year mm-hmm. and I'm going to have so-and-so direct this. I'm going to have so-and-so direct this. Then you say, you're going to direct this other thing. But at the beginning of the year, after you've made the decision who's going to be the directors of the show, bring someone in like that, yeah. and everybody sits down for that weekend or however long they come, week With or whatever. all of the directors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love nothing more. I mean, when we first started this theater company, one of the things that we really wanted to do was to be able to bring in professional uh, actors from the field, if you think of it like mm-hmm. that. Like, bringing in people that are actually doing it you know that are that are in that are fresh in the environment and then teaching your local community in a sense if you bring in a professional actor it's going to it's going to amplify your production so much just because your community members are then going to see that process and see what goes into it and you learn so much from watching in this business and it would just, I think it would just elevate us so much more in our theater scene. I think it would just, it would bring that, it would bring us one step higher. Yeah. And, um, and I wanted to do that with actors and then also with directors and with designers, like to actually bring in somebody that 
knows design and can show people that are interested in the technical side of theater. Like Mm -hmm. what actually goes into the planning of this? Like what does a production meeting look like? All of those things, they would be able to observe all of that and be a part of the process in the way of, if you had a set designer come in, you could have one of your people that design sets or build sets in our area actually work as their assistant so that then they learn firsthand what happens, what is expected. Yeah, that would be awesome. And it would just get so much better. And so, of course, I'd be using, you know, and it selfishly in a sense, it would, I think it would elevate us in the theater community so much more, but it would also, like in the talent-wise, it would, it would just it would just bring us... Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm not saying this in the right way, and I don't know what the right way to say it is, but it would it is all about elevating. But you teach someone... And then that knowledge will filter. Like if, say, you did that yeah, for a designer, keeps trickling down. and then they can on the next thing that they work on, whether it's with play on, whether it's with you know yeah, city it park go, or it other moves people, throughout yeah. the community. And they were like, "Oh my gosh, how did you do that?" And then they can sit down with someone else, and then you you basically start to sift that knowledge out yes. to people that are interested in doing that thing. And that's that's that is our hope that we eventually do that. And then selfishly, it is also like I get the bring in some of my friends that I haven't seen in a really long time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, you know, pay them to do what they do. And it's like a win-win. I get to see my friends mm-hmm. and then I also, you know, we get to make people better, which is what we want to do. Yeah. But yet again, what an amazing thing for the arts council to be a part of. That would be really cool. Yeah. If, you know, that was something that they were interested in, but at the moment, it doesn't seem like they are. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Are you just you're just like over there grinning so hard? You're like, please, just don't like talk about this. No, I really don't. I, I I think that it is important that we highlight things that are not being done as much as it is to highlight things that are being well, done. In communities, you have an arts council for the purpose of supporting your community artists mm-hmm. and. When that's not happening, yes. that that doesn't necessarily make much sense to me. I'm like, why does it exist? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. I don't know the answer to that right now. Yeah. At the moment, in our community, it seems to exist to bring in a dance company. Yeah, it seems to be antithetical really to is. the actual community that is here. Yeah, when you look at our community and how vibrant in culture we are and just in Louisiana in general. And it seems like, you know, the only, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to just totally berate and talk bad about these people. I know that a lot of times we see things being operated and we don't actually know what all is going into it because we don't know what, you know, guidelines they have been given or the, whatever the rules that are trickling down from the top. But I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm I'm well informed about what is happening. And it just because there are passionate people that are over there. There are passionate people that are over there and and that I absolutely love. But you know, whenever you're not steering the ship in the appropriate direction, you're mm-hmm. probably gonna crash. And it just seems like I don't know what their purpose is at the moment. And I can't I can't find it. And I I'm hoping, I hope that it, you know, steers back to be actually community focused, which would be amazing because that is the purpose of an arts council. Um, like how awesome would it be to actually have them 
partner with the theater company that wants to bring in a professional actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have all of this grant money that they're wanting to, you know, parse out. It's like, why not do that? Yeah. <laughs> and let's actually help, help you know, a community pay for somebody to come in and actually make your, your artist better. But even when they have things, and this is just me kind of, you know, talking right now because of the frustrations that I've seen and that I have... It's that, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing these things and then they, they will have, for example, like one night you were walking downtown and you heard Tank and the Bangas. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. They're like my favorite band. Yeah. And there is no, like, marketing yeah, there about was, that. There was nothing about that at all. It's also one of those things of, like, I'm upset because we are putting on... It would be like if I, if I said, I'm just... Like, we're going to do... Um, like if we did greater tuna every month and I got upset because we only had six people that would come and see the show. <laughs> yes. And I'd be like, man, we do this and nobody comes and supports us. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of like rerouting that thought process and being like, oh, it's not that people aren't coming to support us. It's that they don't want to see yes. greater tuna every month. Yeah, so it's, maybe it's never I like, should look what for am I different doing programming. Wrong? Yeah. Maybe it's the programming. Maybe that's what it is. I I don't understand. And I'm sure I'll get a I'm sure I'll get a phone call about this one. But it ah. is just like it <laughs> as if they would support us and listen to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> How bold of you. <laughs> but it is so frustrating whenever, you know, like I I feel like we have a lot of very passionate people that want the arts to succeed in mm-hmm. our community. And um, a wise person once told me that in our community, you can only be concerned what happens in your square footage. Yeah. That working outside, working outside of, um, I'm sorry, I don't know what just happened to me. <laughs> getting real like, emotional. No, I wasn't emotional. I was like, I kind of like hiccuped and then almost oh. choked. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> very, it was very strange. He's so stirred right now. <laughs> like, no, I think my body was like, you need to stop talking. Yeah. But it was like, you can't, like, people don't want to work together. Yeah. In our community. And I think it's because so many people have gotten burned, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just, we're just going to do our own thing. And I know that a lot of it comes from there's not a strong there's there's not this strong leader at the center of it. Mm-hmm. And if I think that what we would need is a strong arts council to make that happen. Yeah. That's that's my that's my that's my theory. But it would be awesome. I mean, you know, like all of that stuff that I just said, I have also said to the executive director of the arts council mm-hmm. and was pretty much met with a hmm. Oh, that was it. Yeah. So I was like, well, all right. Yeah, you definitely know the the moment it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah, just kind of like, okay, I guess uh, we're in different places. Of, you know, deaf ears, deaf ears and, and people, people don't want to listen out. to us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if they stuck around for when it got juicy at the end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So let's end on a high note since it was a bit of a low note there. <laughs> well, that was Cody. <laughs> and that is Chris Stephanopoulos. <laughs> <laughs>